All right, so we'll say good morning. Let us begin. An incredible and beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our sponsors for the month of Kislev. Sammy and Malka Esterson for dedicating all the Shur Mandrashos this month in memory and commemoration of the artsites of their parents. Yitzchok Leib Ben Aaron Akoin, Sarah Rachel Bas Baruch Avram. Hinda Bas Henech Ephraim. Our week, we hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We thank our week of learning sponsors, Paul and Kathy Pollock, for dedicating the Shi'urim this week in memory of Paul's sister, Zachrini Shulamis Bas Shmuel. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. We thank our Daviomi sponsors for today, Hillel Sakloff, in memory of his brother, Ilio Ben Avram Abba, and Yankee and Eliza Statman in commemoration of the yard site of the Yankee sister Shandel Stein, Shandel Menucha, Shandel Yehudis, Bas Zichron Levracha, Bas David Yosef. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah and the families in Nechama. And we'll say with that, let us. Did I say did I say yard site for the Shloshim? Did I say? Okay, so with that, let, let us begin. So today's daf is Lamed Gimel. We are picking up Emir Hashem at the Mishnah on Lamed Beis, Amid Beis. It says the Mishnah, bottom Mishnah, uh, second to last Mishnah, I should say. However, the Fneater will say a really beautiful Gimara ahead of us today. However, the Fneater will say Rosh Hashanah. A person who davens for the Amid on Rosh Hashanah. So the Gimara says, Hashini Maskia. The ultimately again the Baal Musaf is the one who blows the shofar. So we're gonna we'll see why the Mishnah is mentioning this because this is creating a contrast. So on Rosh Hashanah, the person who goes ahead and davens Musaf, that's when Shtkiya Shofar takes place. Ubishasa Halel, but on a Yamtiv when there is Halel, Harishon Harishon Halel. The first person, i.e. the Baal Shachris, Davin's hollow. So the Mishnah creating a contrast on Rosh Hashanah. So ultimately, Tkiah Shofar is done by Musaf and by Yom Tiv when there is hollow. So hollow is done by Shachris. It says the Gemara, Maishna Sheni Maskiya. Why is it that on Rosh Hashanah we wait until Musaf to go out and do Tkiah Shofar? Why not go out and do Tkiah Shofar already by Shachris? Mishum Debarov Am Hadras Melech. Gemara, very beautiful Gemara, because interesting, some things don't change. There are more people in Shul by Musaf than there are by Shachris, just the way the Jewish people works. So therefore, again, says the Gemara, Berov Am Hadras Melech, the king, experiences greater sanctification when there is a greater assembly of people. So he dafka wait until Musaf to go ahead and blow shofar, because that's a greater cover to the mitzvah. Ihochi halal nami neima b'sheni. If that's the case, why not go ahead and say halal by Musaf as well? Just by stami yomtiv, that should be true as well. Wait to say halal during Musaf. To which the Gemara says, Mishum dizrizin maktimul mitzvus. Ultimately, again, because by halal we'll say zrizin maktimul mitzvus. So the Gemara says, remember, zrizin maktimul mitzvus says, in general, part of the covet we display for a mitzvah is an eagerness, a zeal, a sense of alacrity, a quickness in performing the mitzvah. So therefore, we're going to say halal by shachris because reason makdim the mitzvahs. Well, if that's the case, so again, 
But I can use that same logic by Tzikia Shofar. And we'll say even more by Tzikia Shofar. Tzikia Shofar is a mitzvah d'araisa. It's a biblical obligation. So all the more so I should do it first thing in the morning because of Zrizos. So we'll say this is incredible. Some Rabbi Yochanan, Bishas Gezeras Malchus Shano. You're right. But the reason they went ahead and they switched Tzikia Shofar to Musaf was because of Gezeras Malchus, a decree by the Gentile government. So what is this talking about? So interestingly enough, we see a fascinating machlokis Rashi Tosis here. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Rashi says that there was a governmental decree against blowing the shofar. Not allowed to blow the shofar. And what happened? The government would send spies. Again, it's not clear from Rashi when exactly historically this particular edict occurred, but the government would go, the king, the monarchy would send spies and place them in shuls to make sure that the, shoe, the Jews were not going ahead and blowing shofar. So apparently the spies were embedded there in the morning, right? But once shofar is finished, once, once, once Kriyasa Torah, Torah reading finished, so they assumed at that point in time, so Tzikiyah Shofar was not going to occur. And therefore the Jews would wait until the spies left. They'd blow Shofar by Musaf. So interestingly enough, according to Rashi, according to Rashi, that's how the practice evolved. To push Tzikiyah Shofar to Musaf. And even once the governmental decree ended, they left it there. Tosis understands a little bit differently. If you look at Tosis, Tosis says, Bishas Gzeres Malchus, V'afa Pishabot Lagzeres Amalchus, so Tosa says, by the way, now there's no governmental decree. Right? There's no Baruch Hashem, there's no governmental decree. Tosa says, even though there's no governmental decree, we leave the practice as it was done, namely Tkias Shofar for Musaf. Apa God, there's reason Makdim the Mitzvah, Dechashin, listen to Tosa, Dechashinon Shemiyachzer Dover Likilkulo. What are we concerned about? We're concerned that maybe there'll be another governmental decree, right? We're concerned that ultimately, again, perhaps something like this will come up. Which I will say is so incredibly profound that Tulsa's highlighting the plight of the diaspora Jew, never knowing, never knowing what particular enactment is going to be legislated against the Jewish people. So Tulsa says, just leave Tkiyasho for in Mosaf. Now look what he writes. Well, the Pirushi was Shami, Nechatfei. So we'll say, Tosa says something different. Tosa is not close to Yushami. This is incredible. And the Yushami says, no, 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 no. This was a different, this was a result of a different episode. One time, again, no one's clarifying for us when exactly these events occurred. Vitosa says one time the Jews were gathered in shul. They're blowing shofar. The Gentile authorities mistook the blowing of the shofar as a Jewish call to arms. As a result, Jewish insurgency. As a result, as a result, Tosa points out that there was a, there was a massacre. There was a massacre against the Jewish people because it was perceived that the blowing of the shofar was a call to arms again an insurgency. So as a result, Chazal stood up and they moved Kiyash Shofar to Musaf. Why to Musaf? Because this way, when the Gentiles around us see that we're davening, right? They see Shachris, they see Kriyas Torah, they'll understand Kiyash Shofar is a part of Tfilah 
and not a call to a revolt. So interestingly enough, a little bit of a different approach between Rashi and Tosis, right? Rashi telling us that, it, that we moved it to Mosef as a result of a governmental decree against Kiashofer to avoid spies or things like that. We just pushed it to later on in davening. Tosis says it was a result of a, ma- a massacre against the Jewish people as a result of thinking that Kiashofer was a call to arms. We moved it to Mosef, therefore everyone sees that it's a chilek of tefillah. Either way, what's fascinating, both, according to both Rashi and Tosis, is that halacha even though the decree or the concern is no longer here, the practice remained of leaving Tkiah Shofar in Mosav, even though Zrizin Makdim and Lemitzvahs would normally require us to do it first thing. So it says, Goodbye to the Gemara. So the Gemara goes, So the Gemara says, Midikar Bishas Halal, Michlal Debrash Shana, Debrash Shana, like a Halal. They're both saying, here's what's interesting. The Mishnah makes a contrast between Tkiah Shofar and Halal. Tkiah Shofar is done by Mosav, Halal is done by Shachris. You could infer from this Gemara or from the Mishnah that what? There is no Halal on Rosh Hashanah. So my time up. Why don't we say Halal on Rosh Hashanah? So Amr Rabbi this is so beautiful. Amr Rabbi Yavo, Amru Malachi Asharis Yitnei HaKadosh Baruch The Malachi Asharis said before the Ribbono Shalolam, Ribbono Shalolam, Mipnei Ma'in Yisrael Omim Shiro Lefanecha Barash Hashanah Yom Kippurim. The Malachim ask this Shaila to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They say, Ribbono Shalolam, why doesn't Klal Yisrael say Halal before you on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? So listen to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds. Amr Lohem, is it possible that the king sits on the throne of judgment? The books of life and death are open before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Yisrael Omrim Shira and Klal Yisrael should say hello. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds to the Malachim. When life and death is being decided, judgment is being levied against the entire world, it could be that the jubilant nature of Halal perhaps is not appropriate for the Deirah but what's interesting to note is it's the Malachim who say, where, why, why the Malachim bringing this up? Right? Why, why the Malachim asking HaKadosh Baruch Shalom? Why isn't Klal Yisrael seeing, saying Halal? So I'll say perhaps it's because the Malachim more than anyone, the angels more than anyone, see the incredible compassion of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's true that there's Din. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is sitting on the throne of justice, the book of life, the book of death, everything is open. But the Malachim, more than anyone, see how much the Ribbono Shal Olam tries to go ahead and give Kalal Yisrael a positive din. They see more than anyone how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Dan Lekaf gives us the benefit of the doubt. They see more than anyone how the Ribbono Shal Olam wants so badly, yearns and pines, to give us a second chance. I will say, isn't this incredible? So the Mal- from the Malachim's perspective, they're like, Jews, why aren't you saying hello? What an incredible day. What an overwhelming day. It's true, it's judgment. But you have a God. You have a God who advocates for you. So I will say, normally, a judge is not permitted to be an advocate. Right? A judge is supposed to be an impartial third party. It's not true with our judge. Our judge, the Ribbon Shalom, was also an advocate. And the greatest advocate we have happens to be the very entity that judges us as well. And therefore he can be down the kafschos. Therefore he could go ahead and judge us not just on what was and what is, but because he sees what will be and what we could accomplish and how we can make changes. So the Malachim see this and they say, this is absolutely incredible. This is absolutely incredible. A judge who advocates, a judge who simultaneously sits on the throne of Din and Rachamim, Klaus, you need to be saying Shira. 
You need to be saying Shira. Incredible. The Malachim could often see the dynamic on Rosh Hashanah that we cannot see. And therefore, ultimately, the Malachim say, say hello. Kaddish Baruch Hu says, no, the Jews are scared. The Jews are scared, right? It's an overwhelming day. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, as much as, again, they have tones, overtones of simcha and of, of hope and optimism, they're overwhelming days. And therefore, it's not appropriate to ask them to say halal. Incredible. So we'll say, as much as there's a mitzvah to low shofar, you're not allowed to violate an avira, even an isr in order to go ahead and blow shofar. So for example, let's say your shofar is out of the tchum, out of the boundary. You're not allowed to go ahead and get it. Right? Let's say there's a pile of stones on top of the shofar. You can't remove the stones. Muktza. Lo olin bi'ilon. If your shofar's in a tree, you can't go up and give retrieve the shofar. Climbing a tree is asr. You're not allowed to climb a tree on Shabbos. Similarly, again, let's say the only way to retrieve your shofar is to get on an animal, ride the animal. Remember, you're not allowed to ride an animal on Shabbos, or yomter for that matter. Let's say your shofar is floating in the river. You're not allowed to swim to get the shofar because swimming is asr. We learned all this. Swimming is asr. You're not allowed to cut it. Now, interestingly enough, we're just going to go with the approach of Rashi over here, that cutting it, we're going to see on Lama Gimel Amad Aleph, cutting it doesn't mean detaching the horn from the animal. <coughs> cutting it means, also, you know, when you, if you ever see how a chauffeur is made, so it's not just the shot that you cut it off the head of the animal and you're good to go. There's a whole bunch of stuff inside of the shofar, right? This cartilage, there's stuff in there that has to be cleaned out. It's called, it's called smoothing out. So that's what it means. According to Rashi, that's what it means over here. With the smoothing out of the shofar, the emptying out of the contents of the shofar, the smoothing out of the shofar, you're not allowed to do that. Either with something that's, meaning with a utensil, that's Asr Medirabanon, or with something that is an Isr Da'orais. Again, we'll, we'll qualify that in Meretz Hashem on Lamed Gimel Mudalaf. Aval, Imratzali. So I'll say, so therefore, essentially what the Gemara is saying is as follows you're not allowed to violate an Isr Da'orabanon or an Isr Da'oraisa to perform the mitzvah of Shofar. However, Aval Imratzali, Tin Lisochom, Mayim Oyayin, but if you want to put some water or some wine inside of the Shofar, Yitain, you can do that. You could do that. Now, I will say, interestingly enough, that would be a cleaning out of the shofar, right? So let's say you want to just clean out the shofar with some wine or with some water. You're allowed to do that. Rashi points out over here, and we don't say that that is tikkun mana. We don't call that the fixing of a utensil, which would be an isr as well. So we'll say in general, we don't prevent kids from blowing shofar. So we'll define the parameters of this. But what this sounds like over here is if a child picks up a shofar, the pastor is talking about on Shabbos, and wants to blow it, we don't tell him he, we don't tell him no. Rather, we actively engage ourselves with them until they become proficient in blowing shofar. Again, we'll define the parameters of that. And I was is an interesting case as well. Misasek, what we will see generally means someone who is not really involved in Tekiah Shofar, but goes ahead and produces kolos. So for example, let's say someone is holding a shofar to their mouth, and they just let out a big sigh. But it's mamish a sigh to the point that it produces a Tekiah, a Shvarim, and a Tekiah. 
right? Perfect kolos. But it was a side. That's called masase. I had no intention to blow the shofar. It just happened to be I produced these kolos. You're not yotze. With right, kia shofar requires kavano. And obviously, not only is the person who blew not yotze, but even someone who hears from someone else who is misasek is also not yotze. Gimara is going to say, isn't that obvious? We'll discuss. Says the Gimara, my time of... So we'll say, this is very interesting, because think about this for just a moment. Why am I not allowed to violate Yamtiv in order to blow shofar? Right? Why, why am I not allowed to violate? After all, the Gemara is my time of shofar asehu. Remember, shofar is a mitzvah asehu, is a positive commandment. The Yamtiv asehu velosase. We'll say the sanctity of Yamtiv, right? Or I should say the, the, the idea of malacha on Yamtiv is governed by both an asehu, a positive commandment, and a losase, and a prohibition. And therefore, in halacha, we know, ve'en asay doches losasay vasay. So, we'll say, it's a very simple calculation. Shofar is an asay, the sanctity of yamtiv, not violating malacha, is an asay and a losasay. So, therefore, the asay of shofar does not override an asay and a losasay of yamtiv. So, quite amazing. Quite amazing. So, we'll say, so remember, what the Mishnah did was as follows. The Mishnah essentially tells us that you're not allowed to violate a daraisa and then it, in order to blow shofar, because again, that's, we'll say, that's what the first line of the Mishnah is talking about over here, right? Shofar is an assay, a mitzvah sasei daraisa, yamtiv has an assay, a lo sasei daraisa, therefore you can't violate yamtiv to fulfill the mitzvah of shofar. So now after that, what does, the, what does the Mishnah do? The Mishnah goes through a list of rabbinic malachos that you're not allowed to violate in order to blow shofar. It says, I don't understand, hashto, Last line. So I'll say, I don't understand. If you're already telling me that you're not allowed to go ahead and violate the Rabbanons, doesn't it go without saying that what? You can't violate the Doraisa. To which the Gemara says, you're right. But I'll say, sometimes stylistically, the way a Mishnah is set up, is that a Mishnah ultimately, again, will include, we'll say Zu, we'll say A, and of course, it goes without saying B. So in this case, again, the way the Mishnah is set up is you can't violate Isure Dirabanan in order to go ahead and blow shofar. And all the more so, even though it doesn't require any mention, you can't violate biblical law as well. Incredible. Top of Lama Gimel. So say, and again, so the Mishnah said, in Chotchin. Now this is where Rashi, look at top Rashi, Lama Gimel, Amadalif. Rashi says, in Chotchin also, in Balitakno. See, so as I mentioned before, according to Rashi, Chotcho doesn't mean you're detaching it from the animal. Chotcho means you're cutting away, right? You're smoothing out the shofar. So Rashi says in Balasak, no, lo bedavar shumishim shvos, klisha in darko lachtoch bo shofro. So both says, we're going to see as follows. So the Mishnah said, you're not allowed to smooth out a shofar, neither with a utensil that's normally used for this purpose, in which case we have been isa daraisa, or with a utensil. That's not normally used for this purpose, in which case it would be an Isser Derabanon. To which the Gemara says, which utensil is which? Here we go. Mishum Shavos Magla. So we'll say, for example, when would it be an Isser Derabanon if you were to use a sickle? So if you were to use a sickle to smooth out a shofar, why is that an Isser Derabanon? Because that's not the normal way you smooth out a shofar. So we'll say, any time on Shabbos or Yom Tiv, you do a malacha in a non-normative way, you relegate normally, generally, you normally, you, you relegate that malacha 
to a dirabanan. So therefore, if you were to go ahead and smooth out a shofar with a sickle, a sickle is not the instrument or the implement that's normally used for this. Therefore, if you were to do it, it would be an isr dirabanan. However, lo sarse, when would it be an isr Sakino, a knife. A knife. So a knife is normally used to smooth out a shofar, a sickle is not. So therefore, the Mishnah says, if you were to use a knife to smooth out a shofar, to ready it for use on Rosh Hashanah, it would be an isr if you were to use the sickle, being isid rabbanon. So it says the Yimara. So we'll say, so remember again, what's the theme of the Mishnah? The theme of the Mishnah is all I have at my disposal is an unfinished shofar. Has to be smoothed out. So the Mishnah says, you can't smooth it out. And you can't smooth it out with a sickle. That's an isid rabbanon. And you can't smooth it out with a knife. That's an isid So once again, the Yimara asks, Hashtamishum shavus amrit lo, amrit lo, lo sasamibai. So I'll say, once you tell me that I'm not allowed to violate an Isidra Abanon, i.e. smooth out the shofar with a sickle, doesn't it go without saying that what? That what? That I can't smooth it out with a knife that's an Isidra Isa? Once again, So we once again see the style of the Mishnah is what we call a model. We say one thing, and even though you don't need to say the second thing, we say it anyway. So you're right. Once you tell me that I'm not allowed to violate an Isidra Bonon for the sake of preparing the shofar, it goes without saying that what? That I can't violate an Isidra Isa, but the Mishnah says it anyway. Beautiful. But the Mishnah did say that if you want to place wine or water in the shofar, now remember, why are you placing wine or water in the shofar? To clean it out. But you're allowed to do that because that's not called tikkun mana. That's not called fixing it. So the Gemara says, Mayim oyayin in, meiraglayim lo. You could use wine or water, but not urine. Not urine. You may also have difficulty finding a baltokea, right? If you go ahead and keep urine on the shofar. But again, different discussion. Says the Gemara, Masnisin mani. So whose opinion does this reflect? Abashalhi. So we'll say, so what's the issue, technically speaking, with keeping urine in the shofar? You're allowed to put water. So we'll say it would be it would have been common to, to wash out the shofar. Just after a certain amount of use, you would wash out the shofar. So water or wine is fine. Urine is gonna be usar because that is considered to be a degradation of the mitzvah. So the Rabbi say, Aloha Lamaisa, what the Gemara suggests over here is as follows. So again, remember, what's important for us is that even though this, even though putting wine or water through it is, is for the benefit of the utensil, it doesn't qualify as even an Isr Durabanon of Tikkun Mana of fixing something. Therefore, it's permitted. Good. In Ma'akvinas Hatinokos Muniskos, well, so now an interesting piece. We do not go ahead and prevent children from blowing shofar in Rosh Hashanah. Right? So if a child, and I will say this is obviously talking about on Shabbos. So if a child wants to go ahead and start blowing the shofar, we, we don't stop them from doing so. So the Gemara makes an amazing observation. The Gemara says, Hanashim ma'akvan. It would appear that if a woman were to want to blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah, Shabbos, that we would stop her from doing so. So I will say, now watch this. This is fascinating. Vatanya, ein ma'akvin loas hanashim loas hatinokos munskabiyamtiv. So that says, whether women or children want to blow the shofar on Rosh Hashanah, Shabbos, we don't stop them from doing so. So how do you reconcile that with our Mishnah, which was, the Mishnah only says, by children you don't stop them from blowing, but by women you would. So what's the Peshat? Let's listen to this. 
Harebi Huda, Harebi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon. Nebosei, this comes down to a fascinating machlokas. Nebosei, before we go on, take a look at Rashi. Why, why, why would you stop women from blowing shofar? In other words, what, what's, what's, the, what's the problem here? Rashi says over here, Hanashim Me'akvin, Diptudos Legamre, Demitzas Asei Shazman Gramahu, Vichitaki Ika Baltosif. Nebosei, we are about to enter into a fascinating, riveting machlokas about as follows. Everyone agrees with the following halach, which is, Women are exempt from mitzvahs ase shazman grama. They are exempt from any time-bound mitzvah. The shayla is, what are the ramifications of that patur, of that exemption? Does that mean they're pater, but if they want to do it, they certainly can? Or do we say they're pater, and therefore because they're pater, if they were to perform a mitzvah ase shazman grama, it would be tantamount to baltosif, to adding on to mitzvahs. So watch this. Disanya Dabra Bene Israel. So we'll say the Pasik that the Gemara is quoting over here is by Smicho. Dabra Bene Israel Vimarta Lame Adam Kyakri Mikem Karban La Shemina Behem and Bakam and Atzon. Mitzvah Smicha. Mitzvah Smicha is that when you offer a carbon, you are supposed to lean on the carbon. Smicha. So the Gemara says, it says, so listen to this. Bene Israel Somchin Vein Benosi Sol Somchos. Only men do smicha, women don't do smicha. Right? Women don't lean on the carbon. Dear Rabbi Huda, these are the words of Rabbi Huda. These words of Rabbi Huda. So you must Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon Omrim, Nashim Somchos Rishos. So say, the sheet of Rabbi Huda is women don't do smicha. And if a woman were to do smicha, it would actually be a violation of Baltosif. On the other hand, on the other hand, Rabbi Huda, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Shimon say, Nashim Somchos Rishos. Women don't have to do smicha. But if they want to do smicha, they're absolutely, absolutely permitted to do so. So I'll say what comes out over here is that this machlokis by smicha becomes a general machlokis by mitzvos asei shazman grama. What is the nature of the patur? What is the nature of the exemption? Is it an exemption, but if they want to perform the mitzvah, they absolutely can? Or no, once a woman is exempted, she, she, is, she is halachically almost like forcibly exempted, and performance of that mitzvah would actually be a violation of Baltosev of adding on to mitzvah. So the Gemara is just pointing out, this machlok seems to be playing over here in the Mishnah as well. Because the Mishnah says, children, if they want to blow the shofar, can, but doesn't say anything about women. Which would seem to indicate that according to the Tanakhama and the Mishnah, a woman would not blow shofar on Rosh Hashanah Shabbos, or on Rosh Hashanah. Right? Ultimately, again, the Gemara suggests perhaps this is embedded in this machlokis, of the nature of mitzvah to say shazman grama. So we'll say we know that we paskin, we paskin that women are exempt from mitzvah to say shazman grama. But if a woman wants to go and perform that mitzvah, she is absolutely permitted to do so. Not only that, but by Ashkenazim, not only is woman permitted to do so, but what? She could even make a bracha on that. By Svardim, the halacha is different, right? But by Ashkenazim, women could even make a bracha on this Shazman Grama. Now, again, there's, there's interesting discussions about does this apply to all Mitzvah Shazman Grama? So, Tfilin, for example, is a very interesting discussion by women. Again, not, not, not for now, but just know that's how we come out in this Machlokis. Good. Simar goes weiter. So, we'll say, so the Mishnah says something very interesting. The Mishnah said that. We don't prevent children from blowing the shofar. Rather, again, the Mishnah said, We actively involve ourselves with them until they learn how to blow. Says the Gemara, 
Right? This is true even on Shabbos. So the, apparently, again, the child picks up a shofar on Shabbos, Rosh Hashanah. So we go ahead and, and not only do we not, sounds like not only do we not prevent them, but we help them become proficient. Says the Gemara, Here's the problem. But we learned, we learned, we don't prevent children from blowing on Shabbos and certainly on Yom Tiv. So I don't understand which one is it. So we'll say, on one hand, the Mishnah is saying we involve ourselves with them to help them become proficient in becoming and blowing shofar even on Shabbos. It sounds like we allow the children to blow the shofar on Shabbos. But then you say afterwards, we don't prevent them. But say, that sounds like what? We don't prevent them. But what? What, what? We certainly don't proactively encourage it. So we'll say, see, you this theater, like, what's, what's going on over here? We have one statement that says, if the kid starts picking up the show from blowing it, we don't stop him from doing it. And then another statement that says, we help them become proficient. So which one is it? To which the, the Yavar says, low kasha. It's not a contradiction. Amen Beis. Kan bekaten very interesting. Very interesting. Two different types of ketanim. One is talking about a child who reached the age of chinuch. If that's the case, look at the top Rashi Lam and Gimlam. Base katan shegir lechinuch misaskin bahen she lamdu bechol shekin shein maakven. Sirabosai. If a child reached the age of chinuch, we want to. We have a vested interest in him becoming proficient in the mitzvah of shofar. In the mitzvah of shofar. So therefore, again, if he's at the age of chinuch and he's, uh, he's blowing the shofar, that's when we get actively involved to help him develop the skill and become proficient. If he's, we'll say, so I'll say something very interesting, by the way. Now you'll say to yourself, I don't understand. We'll say, what's the mitzvah of chinuch? The mitzvah of chinuch is to teach my children to do mitzvahs. We'll say, the oral majority of Kali Yisrael performs the mitzvah of tikiya shofar. How? How? By listening. By listening. But isn't this an incredible yesod in Chinuch? Part of the key of Chinuch in Yiddishkeit is to teach our children not to be spectators in Judaism, but to teach them to take an active role in Yiddishkeit, to teach them to take an active role in their spiritual development. You see, the mitzvah of Chinuch, says the Gemara, is not teaching your child to listen to Tekiah Shofar. Isn't this incredible? The mitzvah of Chinuch by Shofar is to teach your child to blow the Shofar. Whether or not my child is going to go ahead and become a Baal or not is irrelevant. That's the nature of the mitzvah of Chinuch. Rabbi says, you'll say to yourself, I don't understand. But like, it's your, but it seems to be unique by Shofar, right? Because for example, let's say by Megillah, no one says that there's an obligation of Chinuch to teach my kid to read Megillah. Right? Or there's an obligation to teach my kid how to build a sukkah. Right? They, wh- why here? Because we'll say, what's, what's shofar? What's such an incredible, so what's shofar? Shofar is uru yeshenet mishinaschem. Shofar is the call to tshuva. Shofar is the call to wake up, get out of the slumber, stop sleepwalking through life, take the reins of existence, maximize your potential. So when it comes to the mitzvah of shofar, the mitzvah of chinuch is to teach my child to blow, to teach my child not to be a shomea, but to be a mashmia, to teach my child to be a baltokea, to teach my child, don't drift through your Yiddishkeit, 
don't put on the cruise control of spirituality. Become an act. Become an actor. Become a dominant force. Become a baltokeya in your life. Such an incredible yisod and so important. What we have to teach our children is not to be spectators in Yiddishkeit, but to teach our children to take an active role, to take an active interest, to become players, to become actors in the development of their own ruchnias. Such an incredible yisod kan versus the Mishnah that says that if my kid is going ahead and just playing with the shofar, I don't have to stop them from doing it. That's a young child. That's a child who has not reached the age of Chinuch, in which case, again, there's no mitzvah for me to actively intervene to help them develop the skill. But Lamaisa, again, I also don't have to stop them from doing so. Beautiful. So remember, again, the Mishnah says, Misasek, if you're Misasek. Now, look at Rashi for just a moment. So remember the example I gave you before Rashi says, Misasek to Loyotza, Sheino Miskavin Litkia. Misasek, Rabo says, the case. Where a person doesn't have kavana to blow tekiyah. is the example I gave you before. You're kind of just like exhaling. You're exhaling or sighing or just blowing air with absolutely no kavana to do anything. So what happens? But and you go produce. So I say now go back to the Gemara. So the Gemara said Right? I'm sorry, I skipped. Second line from the top. Right? So if you go ahead and you just miss Asik, you're just blowing air into the chauffeur, and you produce calls, you're not Yotze. So also, this is very interesting. The Gemara says, Now what you could infer from this is what? That what if you were blowing for the purpose of making music? Right? But you, why, why, you, you, you found this incredible musical composition. It's called Tekia Shvarim Tekia. You love it, right? You love it. And you just keep blowing that. The sheer, this is your intention to make music, not to blow kolos, to tokeh the sheer, or for that matter, I will say, any case, we're trying to produce sound for melodic purposes, and it just happens to be that you create kolos in your, in your pursuit of creating shira. So you could infer from this that you would be yotze. Because the Mishnah says it's only misasek lo yotze. And I will say, remember again, what's the case of misasek? Masasik means you have kavana pretty much for nothing, right? For nothing. You're just blowing air. You're just blowing air. It just happens to be that you produce kolos. So the Gemara infers it sounds like that, that if you had kavana for something, let's say kavana for melodic purposes, and you end up producing kolos, that you would be yotze. To which the Gemara says, to which the Gemara says, Dilma, um, I'm sorry, Lema Masele Lerava, say that this supports the position of Rava. The Amar Rava, but say, Rav is actually of the opinion that if a person is blowing the shofar to produce music and they end up blowing proper kolos, that they are yotze. To which the Gemara says, Dilma, to which the Gemara says, maybe not. Maybe right? blowing for melodic purposes is also called mesasik. And I both say, that is indeed how he passed The only way that you are yotzi the mitzvah of tekiah shofar is if you have in mind to blow the shofar and produce kolos for the sake of the mitzvah of shofar. So if you're just blowing air and you produce kolos, or you're blowing for melodic purposes, right? That's called misasek as well, which I both say is such a profound musar haskil as well, such a profound lesson that even tokeh l'shir is misasek. Right, we'll say, remember again, before we got to this Gemara, what's our definition of misasek? What's our definition of misasek? Involved in totally non-constructive malacha. Right, that's misasek. I'm just blowing air. 
but it just happens to be that I produce kolos. Right? So I'm not, I don't have kavana for anything constructive. It produces a result. The Gemara says, well, that result is not halachically meaningful or significant. Now we've expanded misasek to mean any action that's not, or I should say, any, any, yeah, we'll call it any action that's not for the sake of the mitzvah. So for example, tzokeh l'shir is I have kavana for something. What's my kavana? What's my kavana? To produce music, to produce music. And what ends up happening? I end up producing kolos. So the Gemara says, that's also called misasek. So also, which is fascinating, because remember, the classic case of misasek is I have kavana for nothing. I'm just blowing air. But in the second case, now we've expanded misasek, includes even blowing air for the sake of producing music is also called misasek, which also tells you something amazing in life. That in life, you could be involved in something constructive, but if it's not the right use of your kolchos, then that is not considered to be a, a, a spiritually constructive act. In other words, that sometimes in life, you have to be careful what you, can get, what you get involved in. Because there are many things that are meaningful, but they may not be the meaningful thing for me. Right? And isn't this the great challenge of life? Because again, so many times, it happens to all of us, we get pulled into things that are important, but there's a limited amount of time, there's a limited amount of koach, and a person has to make a decision where they're going to put their energies. Because if I put my energies into the wrong thing, even if it's an important thing, then that's not the maximization of my potential. And that's the muster over here. So Kalashir is something constructive. It's not, I'm not just blowing air, I'm not just blowing air. I'm producing music. That's very nice. That's very nice. But if you're producing music, but what we require right now is producing tikkias for Rosh Hashanah, your music is not the right use of your potential. And so important in life because on any given day, there's a million things that need to get done and a million things that require our attention. And how often does it happen that a day goes by and it was, I was busy the whole day? Let's say, how often does it happen that I'm busy, but I don't feel accomplished? I'm busy, but I don't feel accomplished. And I think often if we unwind that, we unpackage that, that's because I'm often busy with the wrong things. I'm just, I'm busy, and again, with good things. Not that I'm busy with, I'm busy with good things, but they're not the right things that I need to plow my attention into. The whole day was occupied, I didn't waste a moment, but I don't feel accomplished because it was Tokei Elishir. Tokei Elishir is also meaningful. It's just not the right use of time. That's the din of misasik. Life is all about figuring out what I need to do, where I need to put my co-host, the ability to say no to certain things, which are important, but not important for me right now so that I could lead a life, ultimately, again, of maximized accomplishment. So the Gemara goes right there. And if you hear from the Misasek, you're not Yotze. Says the Gemara. So we'll say, so again, this says the Gemara. So we'll say, it's very interesting. So the Mishnah said, if you hear from a Misasek, you're not Yotze. So we'll say, what, what does this sound like? So I hear Ruven blowing the shofar, but I know that he's, he's blowing it Lashir. Okay, so obviously, again, he's not Yosei, I'm not Yosei. What can you infer from this? What if Ruben is blowing the shofar for himself? And it's clear he has kavanos, he has kavanos to blow the shofar, but he doesn't have kavana to be motzi me. He just has kavana to be Yosei himself. So it sounds like he would be Yosei in that case. 
seem to refute the position of Rabbi Zera. Dama Rabbi Zera, because also we had this Gemara a few days ago. Rabbi Zera said his attendant, right? Rabbi Zera said his attendant, go ahead and have Kavana and blow the shofar on my behalf, which sounds like what? In order for someone to be motzi me, the blower, the baltokea, has to have explicit Kavana to be motzi me. So Dilma, I did the Tanarisha Mesasek. Tani Seifa Nami Misasek. The Gemara says, you're right. It could just be the Mishnah used Misasek as a Lashon, uh, just to preserve Mishnahic symmetry. But it doesn't really mean Misasek. So both say, so in other words, Halacha Lamaisa, and this is Halacha Lamaisa, obviously, same way that the Misasek is not Yotze for himself, he obviously what? He obviously what? Can't be Motzi someone else. Can't discharge someone else's obligation. But I will say, but again, even more than that, if somebody has Kavana, to be motzi themselves, but doesn't have kavana to be motzi the listener, the listener is not yotze either. This is, we, we did this so before, right? This was the shliach tzibur okay, the personal about okay, good. But we'll say Mishnah. But we'll say now we get a little bit into the halachas of tkiyah quite beautiful. So seder tkiyah shalosh shal shalosh shalosh. So we'll say the seder of tkiyah are three sets of three sounds. We've already established before, we passed like Rabbi Akiva, remember that what? We blow shofar during Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. So three blowings, right? Three blowings, and each of those blowings is comprised of three sounds. For a total of nine kolos. Nine kolos. We're going to Midda Oraisa. I know what you're thinking, nine, we blow a hundred. So remember again, we'll discuss how we get to that hundred. But Midda Oraisa, all you need is nine sounds. So that's the Shalosh, Shal Shalosh, Shalosh. Shir tekiah. How long is a tekiah? Kishalos trulos. A tekiah is like three trulos. Now I will say we're gonna have to see what that means, because that is one long tekiah, right? One tekiah is like we'll see what that means in the Gemara. Shir trua kishalos yevavos. The shear of a trua is like three yevavos. Now I will say yevava. We're going to see is a cry, but we're gonna see this machlokis as to what crying means exactly. We've seen this case so many times. So remember again, the way it's going to work, right? What, what are the nine kolos that you need me to It's very simple. Tekiah, chirua, tekiah, tekiah, chirua, tekiah, tekiah, chirua, tekiah. That's it. That's what you need. So we've seen this case before. So I have a great idea. Right, I'm, up to the, I'm up to the first set. I bought tekiah, chirua. I'm up to the last tekiah of the first set. I have a great chap. Save a little bit of time, right? I'm going to blow a double tekiah, a double tekiah. That way, it could take care of my last tekiah of the first set, and what? The first tekiah of the second set. We've seen this before already. So the Gemara says, in biyado ela achos. No, nope, doesn't work. Doesn't work. That's only going to be considered as what? One tekiah. One tekiah. As we've seen already in the Gemara, Chazal have a lot of power. What they can't do, however, is to take one long sound and make it into two. Misha berach. We'll say, what happens if during Mosaf you didn't have a shofar? During Mosaf, that's what it means, Misha Beirach, right? Somebody daven, they daven Mosaf already, and they don't have a shofar. And then you get a shofar after davening. So you blow shofar after davening, right? Three sets of three kolos. So we'll say, in other words, what was the Havamina? The Havamina was of the Mishnah that maybe the Mitzvah Tekiah shofar only applies when? Only applies when? During Musaf, because remember, I will say I want to be clear that the institution of Tkiyah Shofar was embedded in Musaf. 
Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofaros, right? That, that's how, again, we don't really have time to get into this, but again, I also want to point out that, remember, the original institution also of Tzikiah Shofar was they were blowing Shofar during the silent Shmona Esrei, which is quite incredible. Again, there are still some in Hagim to do that today, right? During, during silent Shmona Esrei. So, again, the Havamina was, maybe if you didn't have Shofar by Musaf, maybe you don't blow at all. No, if you don't have Shofar by Musaf, you just blow after Musaf, nine kolos after Musaf. Kishem. This is now transitioning from shofar to davening, to davening. The same way that the shliach tzibur is obligated in davening, every individual is chayiv in davening as well. Which I will say, the Tanakhama is saying is that for Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, for any to us Rosh Hashanah, we don't rely on discharging our obligation by listening to the shliach tzibur, listening to the chazin, but every person should daven on Rabbi Gamliel Omer, Shriach Tzibur Motzi Esarabi Midecha Vasim. Rabbi Gamliel says, no, on Rosh Hashanah, the Shriach Tzibur has the ability to go ahead and discharge everyone's obligation. Good, we'll analyze that as well. Says the Gemara. So we'll say, let's talk about the Tekiah. Because remember again, what did the Mishnah say? What's the Shir of a Tekiah? What's the Shir of a Tekiah? Three Truos. Three Truos. The Gemara says, whoa. Vatanyo Shir Tekiah Ketruah. Yet Rabbi say, we know, we have another Bryce that says, what's the share of a tekiah? Share of a tekiah is a teruah. It's a teruah. Not three teruahs, but what? But what? One teruah. The original says, no, no, no. Amra bayi tanadidan kachashet tekiah dekulhu bavi. Utruos dekulhu bavi. Tanibra kachashet chad bava vesulo. To which Rabbi responds, no, no, no. When the Mishnah said that the share of a tekiah is like three teruahs, what it was saying is like this. The shear of each tekiah, of the three tekiahs, because remember again, the Mishnah says, how many sounds do you need? How many calls in Rosh Hashanah? Nine. Three sets of tekiah, truah, tekiah. So when the Mishnah said that the shear of a tekiah is like three truos, what it meant was the shear of each tekiah is like each of the three truos. He's just framing it as three tekiahs, three truos. The Brayse was saying one tekiah, one teruah, but they're saying the same thing, which is how long is the tekiah? What's the length of a tekiah? It's a one teruah. Now, both sides, it's actually interesting. Halacha la okay, We don't have time for all these halachas now, but I'll just say something interesting. The, the shir of a tekiah, tekiah is a subjective call, which means the tekiah only has to be as long as whatever the middle sound is. So as we go ahead and we go through this sugya, we will see, for example, the tekiah, when you're blowing tekiah, shvarim trua tekiah, that tekiah of a shvarim trua set is longer than, let's say, the tekiah of a shvarim set, right? And the tekiah of a shvarim set is gonna be is gonna be shorter than the tekiah of a trua set. So it's just very interesting to see the tekiah is the one subjective call that has to mirror the length of whatever is in the middle of that seder. Good. Let's go back there. So shir truck give me yavama. So we'll say listen to this gemara, incredible gemara. So remember again. So now we have right halacha number one. So halacha number one is you only need nine kolos. That's number one. Halacha number two, the shir of a tekiah is like a trua, which is another way of saying about because remember again. Well, we'll see, but the shear of the tekiah is a truah, which is another way halakhically of saying the shear of the tekiah is the shear of whatever the middle sound is. Next halacha, shear teruah kigimel yevavos, kigimel yevavos. What is the truah? A truah is like three cries. Three cries. So it says the gemara, vatanya, shear truah kishlosha yishvarim. But yet we learned elsewhere that the shear of a truah is not like three, is not like three yevavos, but is like three Shvarim. 
Okay, so what's going on over here? So it says the Yerba Bosa, listen to this. This is a machlokas. I will say this sheer, I will say this is such an incredible Gemara. The sheer, the sheer of a trua is subject to a fundamental machlokas. Torah says when it comes to Rosh Hashanah, it calls it a Yom Trua. And I will say, how do we translate the word trua? Yom Yevava. Then I will say, what does Yevava mean? Yevava means a cry. A cry. So the Gemara says, Yom Levava Yevava Yulachon. Uksiv, I will say, now how do we define Yevava? Uksiv Be'ime de Sisra. And I will say, it says about the mother of Sisra, right? The mother of Sisra, I will say, Aftor Nashashana, mother of Sisra, Ba'ad Hachalo Nishkafa, Vatiyavev Aim Sisra. So I will say, so remember again, we know the story. Sisra was the general, the Gentile general, who was defeated by Devorah and Barak. Right? She, he's murdered ultimately again by Devorah. Right? Devorah lures, lures him into the tent and he's murdered there. So the Navi describes a very moving scene. Sisra's mother is waiting by the windowsill. Waiting by the windowsill for her son to come home. And Lashna, the Pasuk is quoted here. Madua, right? She's sitting, she's sitting, by, she's sitting by the... Aim Sisra's mother cries and she says... Where is my son's chariot? She's sitting at the window crying. So let's say, see here the drasha, Yom Teruah, we translate, the Targum translates Trua as Yevava, and we find the word Yevava by the mother of Sisra. Vatiyavev im Sisra. So we'll say, okay, so what, what does Vatiyavev mean? Says the Gemara, Mar Savar, Ganach. So one opinion says, what is Tiyavev? Tiyavev is Ginuche Ganach. Now, say, what is Ginuche Ganach? Take a look at Rashi. Ginuche Ganach, Rashi says, Mars, man, damar, sharm, sarver, Ginuche Ganach, ke adam hagoneach milibo, kederach hacholim, shem ma'arichin beginin, beginnicho sehen. So, I'll say, one opinion says, Vatiyavev means, Vatiyavev means long, prolonged sighs, like the sigh of a person who is ill. Who is ill? Which of us say resembles what sound? What sound? Shvarim. Do, do, do. Like the sighing, like the sighing of a chola. Umar sabar yelule yolil. And the other opinion says, no, vatiyavev means what? Look at Rashi. Yelule yolil. Ke'adam habochem akonin kolos ksarim stumin zelazeh. It means more of like a repetitive crying. Repetitive crying. Right? More of like a sobbing. But not like a prolonged sob. What do they call it? Like a staccato? They go whimper, yeah, but it's like it's like a bunch of cries one after the other, right? So we'll say so that so that's also again, which is what what sound? Teruah. Tu, 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 tu. So we'll say so. This is the machzor. Isn't this incredible? You see, the Torah only requires us to go ahead and sound one sound, which is what? Which is what? Trua. So just a thought, just remember this limud. Trua. That's why it sounds like trua. What's a trua? A yevava. What's a yevava? Vatiyavevim sisra. How was she crying? Was she sighing? Was she sighing? Like ultimately, again, like a shvarim, like a person who's ill and just lets out a sound of desperation, two, 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 or was she crying in rapid succession, like a sobbing, like a sobbing, multiple small sounds, one after the other, like a trua. So now you begin to see why we have to blow so many sounds. For one simple reason, we don't know what the meaning of trua is. Is it what we call shvarim, the sighing? Is it what we call trua? I'm sorry, what we call what we call trua, the sobbing, or I both say there's a third possibility, which is what? Which is what? It's both. Shvarim trua. 
So therefore, Rabosai, what ends up happening over here is we know I have to blow nine sounds. Is it nine of t- what we call Tekiah Trua Tekiah? Is it nine of Tekiah Shavarim Tekiah? Or is it nine of Tekiah Shavarim Cherua Tekiah? And then once we're doing that, we've thrown a couple of other things also. Say, but, but again, because there's, there's a whole discussion also, just to tell you this very quickly, even in Shavarim Trua itself, the Shiloh with Shavarim Trua is, is it Neshima Achos? Is it Shtein Neshimos? Is it blown as one, one rapid sound? Or is there a pause in the middle of a Shavarim Trua? So again, we, we're trying to satisfy all these things. I'll just point out something absolutely amazing very quickly, because we want to get on to the next staff. Verkil, you know, Rabbi Soloveitchik says, isn't it incredible, isn't it incredible that the mother of Sisra is like, is like the source for our local chauffeur, right? I'll say, the mother of Sisra, you know, to raise a Sisra and to be proud of your son who's a Sisra means you're not exactly a woman of the highest moral caliber, right? And yet, isn't it amazing that the entire Tekiya chauffeur is modeled after Rabbi Soloveitchik says something so amazing. The mother of Sisra waits by the windowsill for her son's chariot. And when you look at the Navi, she's convincing herself, she's convincing herself that Sisra's coming back. He's coming, he's coming home, he's coming home. Deep down, she knows her son is dead. She knows he's been defeated. She knows he's not coming back. But she continuously convinces herself, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, it'll be fine, he's coming home. Rabbi Soloveitchik says, you know what the dynamic of Tshuva is? We go through life convincing ourselves that certain things are okay. I go through life convincing myself that certain actions I engage in, certain behaviors, certain relationships, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We sit by the windowsill, often convincing ourselves of certain things in life. And you know what happens on Rosh Hashanah? Vatiyadevim Sisra. What happens on Rosh Hashanah? You see, there was that moment when the Sisra's mother realized, my son's not coming home. Life as I knew it is over. And the whole dynamic of Rosh Hashanah is, at a certain point in time, the veil comes down, the curtain comes down, and I have to acknowledge the way I'm living, what I'm doing, and what needs to be repaired. Isn't that, says the Rav, the entire dynamic of Rosh Hashanah? The entire dynamic of Yom Naraim is having that mother of Sisra moment, where I realize the delusions are just that, they're delusions. And now I have to face the reality of my life, of what I am, and what I'm not, and find the courage to move myself forward. Rabbanon. So the Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon, how do you know, let's go quickly, how do you know that on Rosh Hashanah you have to blow the shofar? In other words, also, how do you know that it's with the shofar? Remember, all the Torah says is Yom Truah. How do you know it's the shofar? Tamalomar, Vavarta Shofar Truah. Because the Pasuk says, you shall sound the shofar Truah. That's very nice. But that Pasuk is not by Rosh Hashanah. Where is that Pasuk? Have we seen this right? Where is that Pasuk by? Yom Kippur of Yovel. But Rosh Hashanah means I don't know that you have to use a shofar by Yovel. How do you know you have to use a shofar in Rosh Hashanah? Talmud Lomar Bachodesh Hashvi. The pasuk says on the seventh month. On the seventh month, Shein Talmud Lomar Bachodesh Hashvi. Because the pasuk didn't need to say the seventh month. Uma Talmud Lomar Bachodesh Hashvi, which is Tishrei. She she ye you call Truos Shachodesh Shvi Zekaze. Teaches us an incredible and overwhelming Yisrael. We'll say which is what? Which is that halacha lemaisa? Yanki. Michael's not here. So, which tells us, which tells us that halacha lamaisa, what? That all of the shofar blowing on Rosh Hashanah, on, on the seventh month, should be like this. Which I will say, so essentially, what the Torah is doing over here is combining all of the shofar blasts of, day number, of month number seven. 
to tell you that they're all the same. So once I know by Yovel, ultimately again, it's going to be Rosh Hashan, it's going to be a shofar. So too by Yom Kippur, I'm sorry, just like by Yom Kippur of Yovel, it's going to be a shofar. So too by Rosh Hashan, it's going to be a shofar. How do you know? So the Old Torah says it's true. How do you know ultimately again? You have to blow a tekiah before and then a tekiah after, or I should say tekiah before and tamalomar va'avarta. Shabbos say va'avarta is very interesting. The lashon of va'avarta means you shall sound a straight sound, like a ma'avar, a pathway. Va'avarta, va'avarta shofar trua. When I shabshut lachare, how do you know that you have to go ahead and blow a tekiah afterwards? Tamalomar ta'aviru shofar. The pasuk says you shall sound. Shabbos say so. It's interesting. The Lashon of Ta'aviru, Ta'aviru, the Gemara says it means Tekiah, a straight sound. Now I only know that this is true on Yovel. So remember again, I know, remember how do I know that on Rosh Hashanah we blow a shofar? Where do I know that from? Where do I know that from? From Yovel. The Torah says use a Yovel on, use a shofar on Yovel. And the Torah says an extra Chodesh Hashvi, seventh month. To teach us that any blowing that happens on the seventh month, Tishrei, is done with a shofar. So the Gemara says... Furthermore, I only know by Yovel you have to go ahead and blow a tekiah before the trua and blow a, tekiah, blow a tekiah after the trua. So it says the Gemara, Barash Hashanah how do I know that I have to blow a tekiah before the trua and a tekiah after the trua, even on Rosh Hashanah? The Pasuk says in the seventh month, top of Lamedalit, Shein Tamalomar B'chodesh Hashvi, you didn't need that phrase at all. Umat Tamalomar B'chodesh Hashvi, why does it say on the seventh month? Shiyuhu kol to teach us that what all shofar blowing on the seventh month is the same. So also, what's really fascinating over here is a lot of the mechanistic details about kia shofar are going to be learned from Yovel. But once I have them by Yovel, then what the extraneous phrase b'chodesh hashvi allows me to apply all of the halachos of Yovel to tkiya shofar of Rosh Hashanah. I will say, remember again, the Mishnah told me, what do you have to do for Tekiah Shofar? Three units of three sounds each. Tekiah Shofar, Tekiah Shofar, Tekiah Shofar, Tekiah Shofar, Tekiah How do you know that? So the Muslim says, Tamal Omar, Vavarta Shofar Shua. So number one, Vavarta Shofar Shua. Shabbason Zichron Shua. Yom Shua Yelachem. I will say, the Torah says, Shua three times. So from here I know that you have to blow three truos, and I have already learned that what? There is no such thing as blowing a standalone Shua. If you're going to blow a Shua, what does it require? What does it require? A tekiya before, a tekiya afterwards, that gives me nine sounds. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. Some of the churas are written by Rosh Hashanah. Some of the churas are written by Yovel. Some, all of the tekiyas are written by Yovel. How do I know that I could combine all of these halachas together? Again, Talmud Lomar, Shvi'i, Shvi'i, Ligizei Shava. Both say, Shvi'i, Shvi'i, teaches me Ligizei Shava between Yovel and Rosh Hashanah. So the Gemara says, Hag Ketzad, Okay, it's odd. Shalosh Shein Teisha. Shir, so the Gemara says, so we, how do we know this? This is three sounds, three truos, which in reality are really nine sounds, because three truos, each which require eight tekiah beforehand, are going to give you a total of nine sounds. Shir tekiah kitrua. The shir of a tekiah is like a trua. Shir trua kishalosh shvarim. And the shir of a trua is like three shvarim. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Haitana meikara maisila be'akesha. I will say, when we originally started this, we started learning this out. The Limor began with a Hekish. I will say, Hekish is a comparison between Rosh Hashanah 
and Yovel. And what ended up happening? Then you made a Gzir Shav of Shvi Ishvi. So we'll say, remember again, these are two different exegetical principles. So which one is it? Is it a Hekish or is it a Gzir Shav? means to say, If I didn't have a Gzir Shav, which is even better, I could have learned that from a Hekish. But now that I have a Gzir Shav, ultimately I don't need a Hekish. Beautiful. There's another Tana that learns out these halachas from a Gzir Shavah to the desert. Watch this. Tisanyo, because we learn utekatem trua. You will go ahead and you will blow the trua. So we'll say this is talking about when they will blow the trua to have the camp move, to have the camp travel. Utekatem trua, tzikia bifne atzma, utrua bifne atzma. Right? You blow a tzikia by itself and a trua by itself. So the says, "Ata Omer Maybe Tekiya and Trua are all the same sound, one long sound. Kishu Omer Bahakil Esakal Tisko Velotariu. They will say the fact that sometimes you blow a Tekiya and not a Trua, and sometimes the Trua without a Tekiya indicates to us what they are separate and distinct sounds. Havi Omer Tekiya Bifne Atzma." These are separate and distinct sounds. How do you know that for a trua, you blow a tekiah beforehand? Right? How do you know that the trua requires a tekiah afterwards? Trua yisku. All right, so we'll, say we'll stop over here for today. But as we're going to see again, although the primary, although the primary limud comes from the gzereshava of of Chodesh Hashi, Chodesh Hashi from Yovel. We're going to see other Tanoim ultimately have other proof texts for this. So we'll stop here. Emir Tzashem, our goal is tomorrow to finish the Mesechta. Emir Tzashem, Bishatov, Mitzlachos. Hold on, hold on, Emir Tzashem. 545. Five, yeah, 5 o'clock. No, 545. We'll do it. We'll do it, Emir Tzashem.